Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Dr. Stacy Bell, and I'll be your guest host for this special edition of SoundBites, addressing myths and facts about psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. As the National Psoriasis Foundation's Chief Scientific and Medical Officer, My role involves finding the science and evidence to substantiate and identify many aspects of clinical care that help guide and support management of psoriatic disease. Unfortunately, there are myths and misconceptions about psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis that still exist today. Joining me to address these myths is leading dermatologist and rheumatologist, Dr. Joseph Marola, an associate professor in the Department of Dermatology and the Department of Medicine and the Division of Rheumatology at Harvard Medical School in Boston. Dr. Marola is also the Director of Clinical Trials and the Director of the Center of Skin and Related Muscular Skeletal Diseases at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, where he specializes in two major disease state areas, psoriatic disease, which includes psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, and connective tissue disorders. Dr. Marola is on the board and is the founding president of PACMAN, the Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis Clinic's multi-center advancement network, whose goal is to emphasize the value of early identification of psoriatic arthritis and to collaboratively care for patients with psoriatic disease. He is also a past member of the MPF Medical Board and is currently a member of the MPF Scientific Advisory Committee. It is my great pleasure to have partnered with Dr. Marola on many projects. Welcome back, Dr. Marola. Thank you for joining me today to address one of your favorite topics, myths about psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Let's start with a myth that is probably the oldest and still exists today. Psoriasis is contagious. Can you address this misconception and why it continues even now? I truly am delighted to be with you and supporting the MPF in this important discussion. And this is a really important one. I won't go back to biblical times for this, but there is actually some thought believe it or not, that some of the discussion of leprosy, even in the Bible, may have been other rashes, including things like psoriasis. So this is not a new problem, to say the least. But absolutely, psoriasis is not in any way contagious. We know that the pathogenesis or causes of psoriasis are a combination of genetics that we receive from mom and dad, as well as a combination of some environmental factors, which frankly are a little bit less well understood, but potentially some viruses, infectious agents, the microbiome, sort of the culmination of bacteria living in our gut, and a bunch of other things that contribute to the development of psoriasis. That said, once we have psoriasis, psoriasis is not contagious. And so this is something that is important both for patients, but also for the circle around them to be aware of. And I think it's important to have a frank discussion with those around that that's the case. And I hope that that starts to infuse public knowledge. I will tell you as an aside, This particularly comes up around issues of intimacy. So sometimes patients will have lesions 
genital psoriasis, psoriasis and body folds. And that can be very impactful on patients' quality of life, on how they feel about themselves. But also, sometimes partners will be concerned or patients themselves will say, hey, is this some kind of a STI, a sexually transmitted infection? It is absolutely not. It's not contagious and it really needs to be emphasized as such. So big answer in summary, no. Thank you, Dr. Marola. I think one of the areas that we also hear a great deal about contagion is in the school system, especially when young people are presenting with psoriasis. And I think that's another area where education is so important. That's wonderful. And I'd love to see over time some of the health education curriculum reflect something like this because skin disease is so common, eczema, psoriasis, and its related disorders. And it's common enough, including in younger people, that I think it's the kind of thing that should make rise to the level of health education. So it's a wonderful point, Stacey. I agree, and thank you. Fact or myth, healthcare providers can easily diagnose psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis. It's easy to recognize. So that's a really uh, interesting question, Stacey. And it's a bit of a, it's a mixed answer. So I will say part myth, part fact, and I'll explain myself. So let's start with psoriasis first. Classical plaque psoriasis, I think is more easily diagnosed certainly by the dermatologist, but also I think by other healthcare providers. And what I mean by that is classic appearing plaques, these what we call well-demarcated red scaly plaques in typical areas like the scalp, the elbows, the knees, with the family history and other features that make us think of psoriasis. So that should be on the easier side to diagnose. And I think that that is a, a fact statement. There are other variants of psoriasis, however, such as inverse psoriasis or intertriginous psoriasis, that's found in body folds that can sometimes be actually be quite tricky. And often people will be treated for fungal disease repeatedly when it's not that, and eventually hopefully find their way to the diagnosis of psoriasis. So it's a nuanced answer. We also have a variant called pustular psoriasis that can look like little, almost little pus bumps on the hands and feet or body that can be a little more tricky. But in general, more of a fact that it's easier to recognize the skin disease. Now, let me go to psoriatic arthritis, which is more challenging and I think is a little bit of a myth that it's easy to recognize and diagnose. So we know that about, and we'll come back to this later, but about 30 plus percent of our patients with psoriasis may go on to develop psoriatic arthritis. So that's a high number. And that means that we need to be screening as healthcare providers, all of our patients with psoriasis for psoriatic arthritis and making sure that patients themselves are aware of the signs, the symptoms, and are telling their doctor about them appropriately. That said, psoriatic arthritis remains what we call in the business a clinical diagnosis, which means there isn't a specific test, unfortunately. There's no blood test I can send you for that says you have psoriatic arthritis. It's not like a, an A1C test for diabetes, for example. We'd like to have one. The NPF and others are working and supporting something like that, but we don't have one at present. And so that does make it a bit challenging. So we have to put all the pieces together from what the patient tells us or history to what we see on the examination in the office to other pieces that help put the puzzle together. Levels of inflammation in the blood. Increasingly, we're using imaging to help us tell the story. So ultrasound, potentially MRIs, x-rays, all of which takes the whole picture and kind of helps us put it together. So be prepared with your history, your family history to tell the story and help your doctor appropriately get you to a diagnosis if, in fact, you have psoriatic arthritis. That may be done by a number of different physicians, most typically by a rheumatologist. Outstanding. 
Thank you for mentioning the PSA Diagnostic Test Grant as well. We're so excited about that endeavor, it's, it's, it's and we really hope that at some point in the future, the diagnosis of psoriatic arthritis will be much easier. Wonderful. A number of people who have psoriasis tell us that they've been told, it's just a skin rash. It'll go away. Is this myth or fact? There's two important parts to pick apart there. So it is myth. Let's unpack that a bit. And there are two bullet points I want to talk about here. So one of them is the burden of disease, and the other is chronic nature of disease. Let's start with burden of disease. So no, it's not just the skin rash. And we know that for a variety of reasons, this is not just a cosmetic disease. Now, for some people, it's mild, and they may say, hey, you know what? It really has minimal impact on me. It's a small amount, and it really is a personal experience around that. But it is important that we have that discussion with patients around how it's impacting their life. And what I mean by that is we know that the burden of disease is quite high with psoriasis. We'll come back to this in a little bit, I hope, in some discussion with Stacy. But the symptoms alone, the itch, sometimes skin pain, can be of tremendous burden. Impact on quality of life can be tremendous. There are some studies that equate the impact on quality of life with that of very severe other chronic diseases to give us some anger. You know, it can be as burdensome as chronic congestive heart failure and others. So it's really important to understand that it can be a high burden disease. Again, we'll come back to nuance. I also want to say that it's more than just skin deep when we talk about it being a skin rash. And what I mean by that, there's all the things we just talked about in terms of the impact of the skin on a patient, but also we know increasingly there is a burden of comorbidities that comes with this. And that includes, based on our best understanding, that not only is the skin inflamed, but potentially there is inflammation in other parts of the body when the skin is inflamed. And that means potentially impact on cardiovascular health, among other things. And we already talked about the risk of developing, for example, psoriatic arthritis. So it's, it's not just the skin rash. And number two, it will go away. So unfortunately, the vast majority of psoriasis is in fact chronic. One of my colleagues, Mark Lebois, likes to say, I like to quote this, I learned this from him. He, he reminds his patients that unfortunately, unless we can change their genes, we're not going to really necessarily change the course of disease. And I don't mean to sound that, uh, make that sound like a negative, but I think it is important to be realistic that it, it is tends to be a chronic illness, which means that we have to deal with it in a chronic fashion. And that often means seeing patients a couple times a year to check in, make sure that they are where they want to be with their disease and that we're treating appropriately to a target that makes the most sense for a given patient and based on the full breadth of their disease or comorbidities. And I'll just put in a plug here again that NPF, for example, has defined that level of control, for example, as a body surface area of psoriasis of less than 1% which means really less than about one of your palms worth of psoriasis on your whole body. So keep that in mind when you're talking to your doctor about where you want to be with your psoriasis. And as you know, Dr. Marola, comorbidities and, and the study of the systemic nature of psoriasis is, is an area of passion of mine. It's so important for the overall care and, and health outcomes of our patient community. Absolutely. And I, think we're, I think we're going to talk about that a little more, which is such an important topic. True. And moving on then, and this was a good lead in, there is an understanding and, and talking about it just being a rash that many people believe psoriasis is only a skin condition. You've already commented some on that, but could you comment further on the risk or the increased risk of other conditions, heart disease, for example? Yeah, that's a wonderful point. I think it is so important to dig into this for two reasons. I think 
patients have to be knowledgeable and empowered to raise these questions with their physicians. I'm sorry to say that not every provider is familiar with all of the different potential comorbidities around psoriasis. So I think it's important to make sure that you're also raising this at physician visits. And, and so what do we mean by comorbidities? So in addition to the skin disease, we know that psoriatic arthritis is probably one of the most common comorbidities of psoriasis. And again, I mentioned that's at least about 30%. And I think we're going to talk about psoriatic arthritis a bit more. But let me talk about some of the others. So Stacey, you mentioned cardiovascular disease. So we should start there. We know from a variety of studies that there is an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, including, for example, heart attack among patients with psoriasis. That may be even worse or increased among patients with worse psoriasis so that it may be dependent a bit on how severe your skin psoriasis is. It may also be modulated by whether you have psoriatic arthritis or not. That's a bit less clear. But the cardiovascular disease is an important one. And it comes kind of complex with the metabolic syndrome in general, meaning abnormal cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes. There's an increased risk and probably somewhat bi-directional association with those conditions as well. So that's incredibly important to bring up. One other that I think is really needs to be increasingly stressed, you'll hear about lots of NPX good work here. There was a recent survey to patients trying to quantify some of these comorbidities. And we've seen yet again, sort of underscored in that survey, that there is a significant psychiatric burden as well to patients. And that means increased depression, anxiety, and we know, by the way, that this is not, and I can't emphasize this enough, this is not a, a stigma for patients to avoid. I mean, it's bringing up at the visit. If anything, we need to hear about this. And we need patients to understand that there is impact and there's some support for the idea that inflammation in your skin, inflammation in your body probably has some part in causing some of the depression, anxiety symptoms and some of the inflammatory proteins or cytokines in the blood in fact, can go into the brain, the CNS, and have impact there. So you're not imagining it, and it's not, it's not something you're doing wrong. The disease itself may have some impact there, and it's important to bring it up to your doctor if you're having these symptoms and get them treated appropriately. Also, we know that there's some association with increased liver disease, things like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease increased with among psoriasis patients that is important to know about. And then on the psoriatic arthritis side, we also, in our group, has published this. There's an increased risk of what we call crystal disease, risk of gout, for example. There's some increased risk of fibromyalgia and pain syndrome, among other things. So we need a whole hour to talk about this uh, alone, but the point is it's not just the skin condition, and we really do need to be proactive in looking for these other conditions when we're seeing our uh, respective providers. So important, again, for the overall care of the patient. Mental health is one that it, it's a challenge, right? It was recognized as an area of focus for the NPF this year with the issue of our new granting mechanism, More Than Skin Deep, mental health. I think particularly during the pandemic, we're all facing those challenges. And I think that that's something that our community really should be aware of. Yes, and again, I applaud the NPF for helping us to move that area of the field forward. Is it true that if you have psoriasis, you'll eventually have psoriatic arthritis? You mentioned about 30%. But is this something that our patient community should be concerned about? Is it inevitable? Yeah, so this is another great question. And it's not to plant fear, of course, that everyone with psoriasis is going to develop psoriatic arthritis. It is a relatively high 
prevalence. I mean, to say 30 plus percent means that every psoriasis patient needs to be screened for and aware of the possibility that they could develop psoriatic arthritis. And it is also important, though, to unpack that about 40, 50 percent of patients or so may go on to have a more erosive or damaging type of psoriatic arthritis if it's not treated. So that's one of the reasons we have to talk about it and think about screening. Also, we know it increases the burden of disease and it increases impacts on quality of life. And we ultimately don't want it to impact anyone's function, right? And we don't want it to impact their ability to move throughout the day the way that they would like to and live their life the way they'd like to. So with that in mind, not all psoriatic arthritis is the same. It may be a recurrent tendonitis from time to time. It may be plantar fasciitis from time to time. It may be a type of inflammatory back pain, or it may be more traditional inflamed, red, swollen, tender joints. But in any case, it's important to know that you are at risk if you have psoriasis, and it is important to be screened and to make sure your doctor is aware of that potential risk. I will just add that some of the features of skin disease that may increase the risk of going on to psoriatic arthritis include the presence of scalp disease, nail psoriasis, as well as this, what I mentioned earlier as inverse or intertriginous psoriasis, which means psoriasis in some of the body fold areas. And also importantly, a family history of psoriatic arthritis may also increase that risk. So it's good to know that it doesn't guarantee you will get psoriatic arthritis or develop it over time, nor is it likely to be a severe damaging type, but it is important to be screening and thinking about it and at least have it in your awareness. Myth or fact, psoriatic arthritis only affects the joints. Myth. <laughs> so I like the myth or fact thing. This is like myth busters. I love it. So even though the word arthritis is in there, there are other parts of psoriatic arthritis than just involvement of the joints. So let me, um, let me unpack that a little bit too. So yes, we can get arthritis, inflammatory arthritis, which we often in medicine talk about or abbreviate psoriatic arthritis as PSA. And we've used that to remind people of what some of the signs and symptoms are of traditional arthritis, meaning pain in the joints, P, S for stiffness in the joints. So this period of stiffness, particularly after inactivity that lasts 20, 30 minutes or more, presence of a sausage digit, which means having a finger or toes swell up like a little sausage, something called dactylitis, and A, axial disease or inflammatory type back pain to remind us of some of the sort of features of psoriatic arthritis. But in addition to those joint joint symptoms, it turns out that psoriatic arthritis frequently, in fact, impacts soft tissue structures as well. So our patients with psoriatic arthritis may have something called enthesitis, which means inflammation at the site of tendon insertion into bone, sites of ligaments or tendons. And that's an important part of disease because it can also be very impactful on our patient's quality of life and ability to do the things they want to do. So sometimes that will present as a recurrent tendonitis and may affect a variety of areas such as the elbows, the heel is a very common place, sort of the Achilles insertion at the heel and other locations. So that's an important part that's not a typical joint. The other place that I, I did mention briefly, but is sometimes overlooked, is the spine. And in fact, something like 30 to 50%, depending on the quote, of patients with psoriatic arthritis may have some spine involvement. So don't just ignore that back pain or let someone blow it off as wear and tear. It may well be, but it's also important to have at least thought about, is this 
inflammatory back pain or psoriatic arthritis in my spine, some of the features that might raise that concern is if you're on the younger side and developing back pain, if you have a lot of stiffness that actually gets better with activity and movement in your low back, pain that wakes you from sleep should be a bit of a red flag, uh, among other things. So do have that discussion with your doctor. The other one I just want to mention, but we talked about the burden of comorbidities. We actually can have inflammation of the eye and other structures that also can be part of this. There's some overlap with inflammatory bowel disease and the gut. And also one of the most common symptoms I find in my patients with psoriatic arthritis is fatigue. And that's certainly outside the joints and something that we have to think about and talk about with our physician. And as you noted earlier, the same considerations for comorbidities also apply to those with psoriatic arthritis, correct? That's right. Absolutely. It's a great point. So as I get older, this is one that crosses my mind. Myth or fact, does psoriatic arthritis only affect older adults? So this one I can solidly say is a myth. Unfortunately, psoriatic arthritis can affect pediatric populations, although somewhat less frequently, but it certainly can. So this could start in childhood. And then after that, there were sort of two different peaks. There's one sort of early middle age and then later. Unfortunately, psoriatic arthritis is an equal opportunity offender across the age spectrum. And sometimes it gets confused because when we think about arthritis, we think about older adults, and that can be sometimes confused with osteoarthritis, which is that more wear and tear age-related part of the process kind of arthritis. But it's important that psoriatic arthritis not be dismissed as osteoarthritis. So older adults also are at risk for psoriatic arthritis, and we do need to be thinking about that in the context of our physician visits. Myth or fact, light physical activity can help ease the pain of psoriatic arthritis. Yeah, I love this question because so frequently my patients ask, can I exercise? So here, I'll, I'll tell you my high-level view. You may get different opinions on this, but I am very much pro-movement, pro-mobility. I think that you need to listen to your joints and, and have them tell you what you can and can't do for the most part. I think being more active than less is always a good thing. We know, for example, that weight loss helps both psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So that means diet and exercise, as you see, appropriate. Now, that said, pounding on joints is also not necessarily the best thing for many of our psoriatic arthritis patients. So you do have to listen to your body, know what's good for you. I would say that some very vigorous activities like running and such for some may not be the best activity for them. Again, listen to your body, but certainly uh, some amount of very healthy stretching, some amount of physical activity that involves weight training or weight bearing exercise is important for bone health. And I think that that's very important as well. We know that that decreases the risk of osteoporosis, for example. For patients who do have damaged joints or don't feel comfortable doing traditional exercise, I recommend often aqua-based therapy and aqua-based aerobics and other things that offload the joints to help with mobility. Certainly, physical therapy may be appropriate for many of our patients to have that monitored setting for comfortable approach and safe approach to strengthening. And remember that for knee pain and lots of other joint pain, strengthening muscles around those joints really helps protect the joint and improve function. So for many reasons, activity and exercise is a double thumbs up. As we all know, there is no one treatment for psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis. Myth or fact? 
Yeah, so this is definitely an accurate statement. There's probably three or four layers in thinking about how to approach the quote unquote right treatment for a psoriasis or arthritis patient. Number one, I like to think about which what we call domain of disease is involved. So what, what flavor of psoriasis or cervical arthritis do you have? Because not all treatments treat equally across that spectrum. That's number one. Number two is what other comorbidities or other diseases do you have that might make a particular therapy either beneficial to help that or at least be compatible with it so that we're not going to make it worse? The third layer is what I call shared decision-making is a question of, well, what is the patient willing and able to do for their treatment? What's their goal? Do they want to be completely cleared? You know, so we need that sort of shared discussion about where they want to be so I can best help them lay out the buffet of options and help them pick. And then, of course, unfortunately, there's also the impact of insurance and what we have access to, of course. But from the standpoint of one size fits all, it's definitely not the case with a disease like this, where there's quite a bit of variety in how patients may experience their disease. Thank you, Dr. Marola. At the NPF, we really focus on the provider-patient relationship and making decisions about their treatment. We also understand how important access is. With that in mind, how true is this statement? Treatments may stop working even after working for many years. So this, unfortunately, is a true statement. We know that a variety of our therapies can sort of burn out or fail over time. The good news, to put a positive spin on this, is that at least in 2021, we have a laundry list of treatment options and different mechanisms to treat psoriatic disease, both the skin and the joint disease. Some of my patients have anxiety that the treatment that's worked so well for them for so long will fail. And I appreciate that anxiety. At the same time, we're fortunate to have so many different high impact and highly effective options that I say, look, if that happens, we will pick up the ball where it was dropped and be able to move forward. A question I hear a great deal surrounds the statement, there is no cure for psoriatic disease. Would you please comment? Do you consider this myth or fact, or is that actually a spectrum going from disease presence through remission and then on to a cure? Yeah, so this is a really important question. And I think there are two parts of this. I'll start with the, the point that at present, unfortunately, psoriatic disease does still remain a largely chronic condition. So the, the answer is we do not have a, currently a cure for psoriatic arthritis. I am pleased to say that we've gotten to the point with many therapies that we are at least having the discussion around remission. And that's a really important nuance, which is we've gotten to the point now where we can get people controlled enough, particularly with the skin disease, that we are willing to have a discussion about what does remission look like? Are there opportunities where we might say, hey, we can take away your medication for some period of time and take breaks between medications, among other things. So we've come a long way. At the same time, we don't have a cure at present, but I will say, and this is important, again, I'm being very NPF-centric today, but NPF has committed in the last year to a, a concept of remission and cure. And we are working with a variety of researchers to think about ways to really be aspirational and think about, are there certain therapeutics that might eventually truly cure the disease? So stay tuned. I think there's absolute hope in our, in our lifetime that we will see something along those lines, particularly with some of the advances in genetics 
and immunology as we currently know them. So I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful question. It is currently a fact that there is no cure, but we hope to get there at some point. Thank you for commenting on the, the journey for those living with psoriatic disease. With that in mind, how true is this statement? It's important to maintain treatment and not stop when symptoms improve. Yeah, so this is also a challenging one. I would say that for the most part, the answer is a chronic disease requires a chronic therapy. And I think there are always exceptions to that. At least with regard to the skin, we do have some increasing data that in certain patients, withdrawal of therapy can lead to a persistent, clearer impact on skin for a prolonged period. But even in that group, the skin disease often and most commonly does eventually come back. So we're still figuring out what the right intervals might look like. For the majority of patients, the answer is when you go on the treatment, you stay on that treatment in order to control the disease. And we believe as well to prevent some of the treatments from failing. There's some thought that if we space out the treatments too far, or we don't stay on a regular regimen, that in fact that might facilitate the drug sort of failing or no longer working. So we don't encourage that routinely. It's particularly the case now with psoriatic arthritis where it can be a bit harder to get to those deep remission states. For the most part, my psoriatic arthritis patients are absolutely staying on their therapy when it's working. And we don't have the same kind of remission levels or ability to de-escalate therapy as we have seen a bit more of in, for example, rheumatoid arthritis. So I think for now, chronic therapy, chronic treatment, the good news is we have such a variety of effective and increasingly really targeted and safe therapies that hopefully we can really navigate the ability to stay on a drug with minimal impact on patients. All the information you've provided today, Dr. Merler, has been so valuable. Do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, yeah, so I think in summary, we've covered a lot, but I, I would just sort of summarize the points that psoriasis is not just a skin disease. It's certainly not just a rash that will go away. We talked about its potentially high burden of disease and high impact on quality of life for patients with psoriasis, that it is unfortunately a chronic but very manageable and, and increasingly treatable disease. We've talked about the fact that it is more than just a skin condition, meaning there are a variety of comorbidities associated with the disease, up to a third of patients potentially developing psoriatic arthritis and really staying on top of that possibility and making sure that you and your doctor have discussed that possibility, as well as the burden of other potential disorders that come along with it, risk of uh, cardiovascular disease ranking among some of the higher points of discussion. And then the fact that we have really wonderful treatments and have a discussion with your doctor about what in that shared decision-making process where you want to be with your disease and stay active and mobile and let us help you uh, minimize the impact of psoriatic disease uh, on your life. We've come to a place where we're having discussion of remission and even cure. So there's sort of a bright light on the horizon. Dr. Marola. Thank you for taking time to address the myths associated with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. We appreciate the facts to help dispel some of the common myths we've heard over all these years. We often hear a number of myths about diet and nutrition. As a listener, if you're not sure if something is fact or if you need more information, contact the Foundation's Patient Navigation Center by email at education at psoriasis.org. 
During March, you can also contact the Patient Navigation Center for a free healthy eating guide for psoriatic disease. This guide offers recommendations from MPS Medical Board on nutrition and healthy recipes to try at home. Email us today to request your copy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.